Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. And what you gonna do? Big, massive dump. Know your mouth and shut your roll. All men. You don't know what our times are, Daddy. That was perfect. All right, guys, you are here with the driveway athletes. I am Jack. I am joined today. Um, I want to do a little bit of a hockey special show. So I'm joined today by um, someone I used to play hockey with um, way back. We, we got in our time machine to reminisce a little bit before we turn the, the recorder on. Um, but I'm joined today by Paul. And I was debating Paul on what I was going to call this episode. And I know that I put show notes Two goalies, one show, but I think two tendies, one show is is a little bit more today's hockey. Yeah, tendies, tendies fits a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> so, Paul, um, you and I played hockey uh, a long time ago together, but you started playing at a very young age. Like, what? How young did you start playing hockey, and did you start playing goalie right away? So, I actually didn't start playing when I was young. Um, I was a baseball, football guy. And um, I actually disliked hockey. And uh, my dad took me to the uh, home opener of the lockout season of uh, 95. Uh, Oh, wow. So So, no. Yeah. So uh, that's that's when Hexy came back. And, uh, you know, we had Lindros and, you know, uh, Brenda Moore and all that was before the LeClaire and Desjardins trades. Um, And uh, I. I saw it in person and I was hooked um, right from the get go. And I remember leaving and leaving uh, the rink and um, wanting to, uh, to go get, uh, um, to get some equipment and make my friends play. Um, and uh, seeing Hexy, uh, I remember they lost three to one to Quebec who was, you know, going to become, you know, a powerhouse team with the Avalanche. And that, that actually, that Quebec team was awesome that year. If I remember right, they won the President's Trophy, but then uh, lost to the Rangers um, in the playoffs. But uh, I remember you know, Sackick and Forsberg. Uh, it was, uh, it was, it's, it's, it's the best way to get hooked on hockey is, is to go watch a game. TV doesn't know. Justice. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's an in-person game for sure. So you went, when it was what, like the crazy eights line? So it was correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lindros- um, you had uh, Recky, Lindros, and, and Brent Fedick. Um, yeah, which is like uh, you're talking about. Uh, again, that's uh, two Hall of Famers on that yeah. line. Um, and then they trade Recky away uh, to bring in Leclerc and, and Desjardins, which is a great trade, really, for both organizations. Um, as far as uh, talent swap goes, you don't usually, you don't always see it that way though. You know, I mean, like, right, I mean the, the Habs, the Habs definitely got a good player. I mean, he's a hall of famer. Um, the one thing I'll say is it, it just showed how they were, um, not utilizing Leclerc correctly. They had him as a, as a center. Um, and I mean, he was, he, like he, he performed well for them as a center. He scored, I think two overtime goals in the 93 finals. Um, but uh, he was not – he needed to be with a playmaking center to be effective. And then, you know, you're sticking with 88 and the rest is history. And then you give up 
he's the Flyers' best. Dejan was the Flyers' best defenseman for like a decade. So, um, and then, like I said, so you get one Granite Hall of Fame player back, but um, you gave up basically two insanely good players. So. I, the Flyers won the trade, but it wasn't a god-awful trade. It wasn't like they got a first-round pick that was used for a guy that wasn't that didn't do anything. <laughs> Doesn't get yeah. in the club, yeah. Um, so one of the ways I want to start this off, I try to keep things a little light before we get into what might be a tougher conversation or, or drier conversation is um, I was looking down the list of players, and we bring up, one of the things like is is easy to bring up recce is um, there's going to be a next round of flyers hall of flame fame players, if I can get out of my own way. Um, and uh, like uh, the names that I was looking at were recce Tockett and Simone Gagne. Um, and we can start with recce cause we were just talking about him, but um, he's a tough name because you don't really identify him maybe as being a flyer because um, he bounced around a lot, but his numbers with the flyers were fantastic. Yeah. Um, it, he, I, I specifically remember him um, just, uh, just in terms of, uh, uh, he was on the team, obviously when I started watching in 95, um, but when he came back, he was a huge force on that team. Um, and, you know, obviously the Flyers played against him, but he, he, his Flyers numbers are, are pretty, I mean, his, his overall numbers are crazy, um, but his Flyers numbers are crazy as well. He was over a point a game, um, you know, 200 goals. He was more of a, it's funny, he was, he was more of a playmaker with the Flyers than he was anywhere else. He was uh, almost more of a finisher, uh, more of a goal scorer in Pittsburgh and Montreal than any than than a, than a than a helper guy but um but yeah he was uh he was an integral part of the flyers when he came back the second time yeah and he still holds i think the single season point record uh for the for like 137 or something like that one, in, one um, for for the flyers yeah he had, yeah uh, he had 123 in 92 93 what yeah, one twenty. I think that still yeah. holds. It's crazy. See, they had hit. They played eighty four games that year too. That that year <laughs> and the next year, which is NHLP. It's if weird. The to NHLPA see, right? would have a you know, aneurysm if they, if they <laughs> wanted to play eighty four. Um. So the other the other name that I have, which goes back to a little bit longer of an era ago, is Rick Tockett, um, which I think will. Um. I think he's probably the next one to go in the Flyers Hall. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. Recky put up way more points, um, but he was never really part of a team that was like beloved. Um, which so in the fly in the Flyers mass fan base, they're going to recognize Tockett every day of the week over a guy like Recky, um, even Recky, though right. Recky played longer, produced more. Um, but he was the embodiment the embodiment of the city in terms of being ultra tough, um, and uh, uh, and he was on the '87 team uh, that went to that lost to you know the Oilers, um, and so they he he's you know like I said a beloved he was on a beloved team, um, and he was impactful when he came back even though he was at the end of his career. Yeah, and, and like an embodiment yep. guy, right? Like he's 
you know, he's a guy when you look at him and you go, that's the type of player the city likes. Like the city falls in love with a certain kind yep. of guy. And um, for better oh, and yeah. worse in that regard. Um, so uh, Tockett, I would like, he'd be on my list to probably go in next. And then the last player that I had was Simone Gagne, um, who is another guy who has two stints here. Uh, did I, I lose you? you did for a second there, yeah. Okay. Uh, then the last player on my list that I had was Simone Gagne. And he's a guy that also had two stints here. So a little bit of a Yeah, theme. no, Gags was um he uh he was he was a player that he, I, I will even be honest that he would uh draw some criticism from me um just because of the how soft of a game he was he played. Um and it got better as he got older, obviously. Um but uh but if you if you look at his total body of work, um he was a very productive player, even as a young player. I mean, as a rookie, he had 48 points. Um, and he was part of uh, that, you know, that 2000 team that, that, uh, that lost to the Devils in the conference finals. Um, but again, a player that uh, uh, was that, that 2000 team, um, you know, holds, uh, holds a spot in, in a lot of fans' uh, heart. Um, so he'll get, he'll get brought up more than a guy like Recky. Um, but uh, but very impactful and uh, real in, in in reality, if you look at it, his his uh, the 2010 playoff run really really cemented his his uh, spot in in the Flyers um, lure. Um, uh, his clutch goals, the overtime goal in Game Four against the Bruins, the the the, the power play goal in Game Seven against the Bruins in 2010. Um, and, uh, you know, just the way he gutted it out, too, because if I remember right, he had a broken foot, too. So uh, he showed that toughness that. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember hit like that. The, the foot injury, I think, was really what sent him into the, the like into retirement. Yeah, he never fully recovered. Um, you know, he had uh, he had an OK year with uh, Tampa the year after that because they uh, they ended up trading him. Uh can't remember if he got traded or if it was a uh, if he was a free agent. Um, but then after that, his career just plummeted. Um, he was just never the same. And you know, Simone needed uh, relied on his speed. And you know, if you have a broken foot, much like much like Johnny Leclerc, you know, everyone talks about when he lost Lindros, but it really wasn't. I mean, obviously hurt, but it was his back. When he lost his back, he couldn't he yeah. couldn't stay in front of them and take the abuse anymore. And Gags, once he lost once he lost a step or two. He lost his uh, his advantage. Just changes, yeah. It just changes, and I think that you know when you're not when you're viewing the game from the stands, um, it's tough to really like. It's easy to to sit there and point to certain things, and it sometimes it takes a little bit of being removed from it, right? Like so, like you said, Lindros, like the like Lindros leaving, but Leclerc had some success. Um playing with primo it's not like he and what when ronick was here as well it's not like he just fell off a yeah. complete cliff um but yeah you're back when you're a power player yeah and also forget. you're talking about right as you know the clutch in the clutching grab error like so once you know once you didn't have that ability to really put up with that punishment and they could just literally bear hug you 
Um, it was, it just, you know, it just, his game just fell off a cliff and, you know, guys like yeah. him and guys like Simmons and Hartnell, it's proven, you know, you don't want to give them, you know, these really long contracts because that cliff is coming. You just don't know when. Yeah. It's like the running back, you know, football, it's, um, the careers are shorter because you yep. take a, a pounding and when it goes, it's done and you don't nope. get much of a warning. Um, and Simmons is like an interesting one to me because I feel like he go, he, we, we had talked about him a little bit ago and he goes to, um, Toronto and the ask yep. is a lot different, you know, like he's obviously a very beloved guy, but by the, the end of his time here, you couldn't ask him to do what the team was really asking him to do no, by he, the end. He, uh, at this, even at that point, which like, that's three years ago, yeah. um, uh, at that point, he had to he had to be a fourth line forward um, who was more of a locker room presence and a locker room guy and a guy that would be feared on the ice and a guy that you could stick in front of the net and uh, 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 you know be that be that effective right there and he you know only asked nine yeah. ten minutes out of him um, and at that point the Flyers just were not deep enough so he's still playing in your top seven to nine forwards which physically he couldn't do yeah it just was too much it was too tall now now when you're you know your top six includes uh, uh, you know Tavares Matthews Marner um you don't have to ask too much of your bottom play you know your bottom um so uh one of the reasons I really wanted to get you on and and this is going to be a little I mean I don't want to say less fun, but a little bit more mm-hmm. digging, you know, um, is I've been getting frustrated a little bit with not even the play on the ice. I don't want to say that with the takes and the analysis that I hear between periods and um, some of it's from national guys, some of it's the local shows. And I feel like there's just like a lot missing that other sports do really well. Um and I, and I, when I talked to you and we started talking about doing this show was like, I feel like football does this great thing where like, and I get that the pace of play is different, but they do these great things of showing you what happens, you know, what happened before a turnover happens, what read did somebody make, where was somebody out of position that hockey doesn't really do a great job at yeah, doing. It's, it's not good at all. Um, the, uh, and as we talked about, I think some of it is because they think the uh, fair weather fans, um, not fair weather, but uh, you're just, you know, basic fans that just like to turn the game on occasionally uh, don't want to hear that. Um, but I think, uh, I don't think it would, I think it can only be positive. I don't think it could be negative um, if they started to introduce it more uh, because if, if you're, if you're, if you're that type of fan, even with football, you're not turning it off because of that. You're still going to watch. You just may not listen to it. You may not listen to Romo, you know. Uh, but, I mean, people will listen to Romo because it's, it's, it's his personality. And, um, unless you're an Eagles fan, you're not overly going to hate it. Um, <laughs> so that's the, that's the biggest thing I think they're missing. I, I think they're, the NHL is missing personality. Um, I think uh, – uh, and. Yeah, they've had the wrong type of personalities. I don't think a guy like Mike Milbury, I don't think that's the guy you want 
um, the, your casual fans to, to be listening to. Um, I think it's someone like Keith Jones, I think does a really good job, but he needs to be able to have more of his personality. He has to be too businesslike um, when he's talking about it. And, um, you know, they try to go through as many, you know, uh, subjects as possible. So they don't exactly sit there and go in depth into anything. Uh, so that's something that I think I would like to see them do, but I don't think it's going to happen to be honest. I, I feel like, so where it frustrates me, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen, but where it frustrates me is personally, I don't think it's casual. Like I don't, I feel like it's guys like me and you watching those shows. I don't feel like it's a mainstream casual fan. So I feel like they're trying to market to a fan that's not tuned into it anyway. You know, they're going to turn the game yeah. on right before puck drop. They're, they're going to turn it off right after. And I feel like, and even a good chunk of hot, the hockey watching audience is really former players, whether it was, you know, people in my shoes who maybe haven't played in a long time, but like, it's people who have played the game in at some level that, in an organized fashion. It's not just that's the frustrating the part. You have um, you have guys like Tarion and now Hartnell um, that are that are on there, and Hartnell has personality. Um, uh, I think that uh, if they did more of those X's and O's talks, um, and not even just straight X's and O's, just just breaking down the play, you will have you have more more viewership of your intermission and pregame postgame uh, uh, shows like you do with the Eagles. Um, uh, and even to a certain extent, the Phillies, I mean, um, I don't know if it's just me that watches them too, but, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, it's frustrating. You have former players in there, but they're, they're meaningless unless they're talking about what, about their playing experiences and breaking down what, you know, what they've experienced and, why they're doing it this a certain way fans can only see what's on their screen. And you don't, that the reason why hockey isn't, it doesn't, doesn't get uh, people locked in to their sport off of TVs because you miss so much of it, not being at the game. And I feel like if they did just some small, like some small educational pieces, people who maybe don't understand it can, yep. can appreciate these things, you know, instead of just seeing guys flying up and down and a puck that's hard to follow, you know, like we always talk about how it's not necessarily the most palatable on television, but maybe if there was some, some time spent educating, you know, like, and, and it doesn't have to be pandering. Um, but just like, Hey, you know, when you saw, and, and cause it will lead us to the next thing. When you see this happen, Here's how it happened, not just oh, you know the shot totals yeah. are twenty four to eighteen. You know, like and that's that's also um, why you, some of the fan base who like, well, so and so is lazy and so and so is this. Well, like he always turns the puck over. Well, you know, part of it is because he always has the puck. So a guy that someone who has the puck the <laughs> most is inevitably going to have the most turnovers because it's a game of mistakes. They're touch, yeah, they're touching it right. If you're touching the puck. 50 times a game you're yeah. gonna you're just gonna turn it over like that's just the way it works like the puck bounces or or you're gonna get stripped you're gonna make a, a bad read or somebody's yeah, and, gonna be faster than you expect you know, the, the camera will focus in on the on the defenseman what you don't see is the fact that the forwards aren't moving no one's open much like a quarterback in the nfl 
no one's open. So he has to force a bad pass or just a, you know, just a dumb chip out of the zone, which is frustrating in itself. But they're trying to make something happen. And, you know, inevitably you end up forcing it. But the casual fans are only going to see that small area and think, oh, he's just he's a terrible passer. You know, it was a dumb play. Well, yeah. look at look at the whole picture. Yeah, it's yep. it's like the coverage sack. You know, like if for anybody that's a big football fan, but not a, a big hockey fan, like if everybody's covered and you don't, th- if you're in the pocket and you can't throw it away, a sack happens. Like it's kind of this, what we're talking about is a little bit of these turnovers are coverage sacks. So um, basically, right, we're recording this on Friday before tonight's game. And we've got, um, so we've got the sting of last last night's game and obviously or not last two nights ago the i've this thing of the sixers game last night um <laughs> but um two nights ago and like obviously you don't want to take three penalties with 10 minutes left in the game when you're when you're in the driver's seat right like that's frustrating but there's also some things to not necessarily get too crazy about um right like everybody the guy that I record, the other guy that I record with, is like, oh, it looks like Boston's got their number. And, and I'm sitting here like, they've played Boston three times, and two two out of three are going to overtime. I wouldn't get – they're just a team you really can't afford yeah, to make mistakes They're, they're also they're, – they have a better high-end roster than the Flyers. They just do. Um, you know, Bergeron and Marchand, and now, the you know, Pasta, Pasta wasn't there the first time. But um, – they, they, you know, they just do, and they've been in their system for, you know, X amount of years. Um, so it's just, you know, they just come in and just do what they do. Uh, so the fly, it's, it, it's a tough matchup, especially when, you know, when you don't have, um, when you don't have uh, Couturier. Um, and uh, I will say, yeah, two of the games went to overtime. Uh, the first game when they, they blew a two nothing, two nothing lead in the third period. Um, so you get to that point, the Flyers were really being outplayed. Hart just kept them in the game. Um, uh, Wednesday night was a different yep. story. The first 12 minutes were just horrendous. But the, the next 40, the, it was an even game. And I'd actually give the Flyers, I'd give the Flyers the edge. And they had the edge on the scoreboard. So um, I, I just think it's a matter of time. And it's what's the most frustrating about our overall fan base is they treat every sport like it's the Eagle season, like it's game one of 16. It's not that. Like you have you have 56 games. Inevitably, you're going to have games where you blow a lead. You're going to have games like the Islanders last week where you – on the last weekend where you come back. And last Saturday, they didn't deserve a point. And they end up getting it in overtime. They end up having two. Um, whereas – you know, they, they deserved, uh, they deserved a better fate. Uh, well, I guess, I mean, Hart deserved a better fate on Wednesday. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and even because that's that horrendous Hayes penalty, um, but they still could have, they still could have, they still could have killed the penalty. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. their, their game. What my overall thought is their game is coming, is rounding in the shape. And at the end of the day, they're seven, two and two. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> Yeah, and and I feel like, um, 
because this city is so used to needing to outplay teams for 60 minutes, because I don't want to sit here and say the goaltending has been like horrible in this city, but we're used to it falling apart when the going gets tough. Um, And so we're used to having to outplay teams for 60 minutes to, to sneak out a W. And when you have good goaltending night in, night out, not just in spurts, um, because we've had like Steve Mason was a decent goaltender. He just couldn't stay healthy. Stay healthy. You know, he gave us some good. He, I think good he was meetings. not a very good locker room presence. He just, he just, he just wasn't mentally tough. <laughs> really. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but I guess my point is, is that like we, it's very easy to to say that that position has been horrible here, but there have been stretches where it's been serviceable. Um, we're just not used to it being better than average or better than that night in, night out. So we think that we've got to get 60 plus. Yeah. We've, of been, we've been conditioned to winning despite our goaltending, not winning because of your goaltending. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and as like AV said early on, like, I'm not going to apologize for good goaltending. And it was like, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. We've gotten killed by teams who, we've crushed in every measurable, but their goaltender bailed them out. You know, like how good should Buffalo have been in the nineties? Right. But night in, night out, they had a guy that could get you. Someone, someone asked me the other day if I had one game to win and I could pick from any goal in his prime, uh, it'd be the dominator because he was a freak. He was not, you know, he was not your, um, technical goalie who would have your technical weaknesses. You didn't know what his weakness was going to be that night. Um, and he would just pull pull something out of the hat and it didn't make any sense. And he couldn't, you, you couldn't read him. So he would have been my pick to, to pit, to, to win one game. And we, um, again, I talked about him the other night because like my words were like, I'm with you. Like to me, Hashik, like you, it's tough to put him in a certain box because it just doesn't fit. Like by any stretch of the imagination, what he was doing, like should not get you the results that he got you. Right. Like, and if you were, you're a go- you, you've been a goalie coach. You would never teach nope. a kid to play like that. You know, like never in a million years, but, um, he never gave up on a play either. He'd always throw his arm out there or his leg out there, or he'd just the, throw his play, stick across the play the that always sometimes. pops in my head uh, is, is that blocker save on Trent Klatt when he was, when he was prone on the, other, on the other side of the net and just laid his blocker across the goal line and robbed Klatt. And Klatt looked like he just wanted to take his gear off and go home. Yeah, what do you do? Yep. You know, like, that just takes your heart out. Like, how do you beat this guy? And, um... Because, like, when I was, when we were talking, like, that's, like, I was saying, like, basically yeah. the Flyers are what now? Seven, two, and two. And at some point, like, when I was in high school, it was very easy for me to be like, oh, Hasha gets lucky. Hasha gets lucky. He gets lucky. He, you know, like, but eventually when someone gets lucky. Nope. All the time, it's not luck. And you don't get seven, two, and nope. two. Luckily. Like, eventually you have to say there are good things happening. And, um, but we had gotten in this talk because like, we also had to deal with Brodeur, but it wasn't just, that's the, that's the difference. 
Yep. No, that's the defensive system. And but they their approach to the game was very different. You know, um, Brodeur felt beatable. I guess like you could you could get a puck past him. You didn't feel like I've got to bring magic every time I'm going to load up a shot. But he was so collected, so cool. Like you, you just knew he wasn't really going to be out of position Brodeur either. You would you would have to the team would have to work so hard to get to that point, and then then Justin. then you're facing him, and and that's and that's what made it so yeah. frustrating. Um, so it's it's you can't take away what Marty did, but Marty would not have become the goalie he was if he was drafted by the Ottawa Senators or Buffalo yep. or or Buffalo, right? Like if he gets yep. Hashik's same situation, he would not write exactly, exactly. Um, so this is a phrase I, you do hear a bit in, in, um, for casuals to hear, you hear about a coach's system. And I feel like we hear the word like you and I, right. Like I, I don't want to be pandering. You and I know what it is, but if you're a casual fan, you hear the phrase system, you might not quite get exactly, um, what's going on like what what does a system mean and like for me being a goalie i never really had to worry about it you know you you have you need you you want to know what's happening in front of you but you didn't really have to worry about it all that much and for you like you go from goalie to coach um but you and i again like just have a a very different view in a lot of ways because our brains work different so um when we look at a system Right. Like, so you was in developing a system or you was trying to explain it to somebody like what's your approach to trying to like, how can we bring this to people? How can we get them to understand what what exactly this word um, means? system is more in hockey is more of a setup um, uh, because hockey is too chaotic. Um, and as coaches, you try to, um, you know, plan for the variables and you try to teach your your team, your players to, all right, if this happens, do this. But there's so many different variables. Um, it's like, uh, it's like Avengers um, where, you know, there was uh, 14 million different, um, you know, outcomes. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, this was the only way it could work. Um, uh, it's, it's almost, it's almost like that in hockey where uh, you really only have set plays with your special teams um, you know, off of face-offs, that kind of stuff. That is more from from you know from a stopped position, much like football. Off of you know when the you know when you're lining up before the play, uh, which is a lot like a face-off. Um, but every little change changes it all. So uh, you basically have your initial structure, um, and what people don't realize is off of that structure, it's just it's all hockey sense and it's all experience that the players need to, you know, their brains have to work like, Oh, okay. So I dumped it in and uh, they went D to D behind the net, but the pass was, you know, our second four checker got there and this is, all right, I need to go do this now because my, my mind has been conditioned to react in such a way. It's second nature. And that's where, you know, people, People think, well, that his system, well, AV's system is 
having the D stretch the stretch stretch the the ice and push and push and push and be aggressive. Um, so that means the system is on the defenseman to make uh, all the players, but specifically the defenseman to make intelligent decisions with the puck and make good passes. And when that doesn't happen, it makes everything look awful. <laughs> and so far this year, it hasn't happened on a consistent basis. Um, uh, so that's why a guy like the, the epitome is, is Gustafson. Uh, he loves his, his stretch passes. And uh, when he's going good, he looks really good. But when he's going bad, oh boy, it looks really, really bad. <laughs> um, yeah, and and Gustafson throughout his career has been that kind of player. You know, like um, it, it, there's some similarities to 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 Gostaspare where they're a little bit more offensive focused, and you and they can skate really well. Yep. Um, but Gustafson they're going to make some turnovers. The capability that Ghost has. Um, yep. Uh, Ghost is a really creative player. My friend that I coached. That's underrated the, uh, in, his, in his game. We were at one of the games two years ago, I think, when, you know, when Hack was still here and they were giving away tickets like candy. Um, and he's like, he's like, Ghost should be a winner. <laughs> and uh, I disagree with him. I think Ghost, what Ghost's assets become, you know, at, at they, they, they are his best assets when he can start from the back end and work his way through the whole sheet of ice and get going. Whereas if he's just, if he's standing still on the wall, um, it's you know he it, his speed um, you know doesn't doesn't take doesn't take effect. Um, so I think the biggest thing with him besides confidence, it's all between his ears, but it's also his speed. And you saw when he came back this uh, uh, this season, he, like he just didn't have he didn't have the ability to skate. Um, and guys that have been playing uh, the first five or six games in the mini in the mini camp and the you know so-called preseason had the huge advantage over him. But now that he's been playing for three or four games, you can see he's still making mistakes with the puck that he's going to. Um, but his overall game is so much better. And I feel like the Gossespierre type game, like a lot of defenders are like a lot of teams are going to maybe not like they're going to a, the heavier defenseman, your bigger, your Charas of the world are more of a dying breed. I mean, Charas is in his own world, but yeah, but the, the, that like the heavier defenseman is kind of becoming less and less frequent other, you know, like you and I really love Phil Myers. He's a bigger body, no. but he's, I wouldn't necessarily even nope. call him a heavier defenseman. Nope. He's, he's a, not a he's big a, hitter. He's a, he's a mover. And um, overall, they're yeah. overall heavy players. I'd probably say one of the heaviest players in the league is Ryan O'Reilly, but he's not some guy, you know, killing people. I mean, Tom Wilson too, but, but in terms of overall hockey Wilson, player, yeah. as far as the way the game's going – it's Ryan O'Reilly is the protege type of player where he's a really good hockey player, but he's thick and he's, he plays a heavy game. And um, that's just the way that like, you don't have ground and pound anymore. Yeah. He's kind of like what the power for the quote unquote power forward has become is not 
what we think of in Philadelphia, where we have, you know, the, the ghost of Eric Lindros, um, that kind of player doesn't really exist. And the power forward now looks a lot more like O'Reilly, you know, like that's what you would yep. want a power forward to quote, yeah, unquote the be. game has changed so much. Uh, and I think it's for the betterment of the game. Um, but you do lose some of the audience that's just there for the physical play, but um it's the, it's the way all sports are going. I mean, physicality is getting removed from from uh, all the sports that have. I mean, even baseball, the least the least physical sport, and you can't you can't run a catcher over at home plate anymore. So, like, physicality is being taken anymore. out of everything. Yeah. So, uh, it's just it just makes sense. That being said, you still have your freight train collisions. Yeah. Yeah, well, and these guys are so fast now. You know, like everybody's so it's quality fast. over quantity. It's not just now. the McDavid's of the world, right? Which now brings us to the right. Like, so in Philadelphia, we had been used to forever of having one to two line teams, and that just does not work in today's NHL. You've got to be really even your fourth competent. line has to be, be like they might be made of your younger players. <laughs> But yeah. they do have to be good. They have to be good. Um, so I want to make sure because I know we're running uh, close to, to to time here. So there's just a couple points. Um, we just talked about how the game has changed a lot. We talked a little bit about AV system and getting out of the defensive zone. Um, but what it seems like to me is where like you're and my frustration is happening is that that pass to get out of the zone, like the, the guys are standing still and the pass to get out is being met by a charging four checker um, who keeps either keeps the puck in the zone or it ends up becoming a shot somewhere else or a flip to yep. center ice just yeah, in order to get a um, change. So uh, AV system is uh, it's basically a two, one, two, basically you have your two D back there, you have your center supporting in the middle of the ice and your two wingers are they're not both flying the zone, but they're, you know, uh, one is definitely flying and the other one has his eye out of the zone um, and is just waiting for the ability to leave. Um, so what's end up happening is um, when, when the D is, uh, uh, is coming under pressure, uh, they aren't left with a lot of good, a lot, a lot of good op- passing uh, opportunities Um so they either force something that uh, that doesn't make sense, or they're just flipping it in a neutral zone, and the other team's D is collecting it, and then they just regain possession. Possession is the is the key to hockey anymore. If you, the more you possess the puck, the better you are, um, because the you know it goes back to the, the the whole cheesy line of you know the best defense is a good offense. The more time you spend in the offensive zone, the less time you are defending. Um, so. Uh, when you have the pockets, that's the that's the, the key to the game. So, so in, in essence, what's happening is the the two four the two wingers are just basically becoming obsolete. There's too large of a gap when they're not making that pass when they're not playing crisp. Um, and in the first six or seven games, they weren't getting the D was not getting any very good support from the centers, and they've been better at that. They've been staying home more frequently, which has led to cleaner breakouts. But they're still they're passing overall just is not good. When they're not passing well, they're just not going to be an effective team. Yeah, it's t- especially so. Um, like 
what then ends up happening, right, is like when you finally get it out, then you're not having a great entrance into the offensive zone. Um, they're relying a lot on on kind of getting at the center and dumping it in. And we, we had just talked about how control is so important. Well, if you don't beat that defenseman down, yeah, all that work I, to get it low into the zone is um, gone. And I was reading some on Twitter about it today, um, people going back and forth. Uh, one of the other you know fancy, sta- fancy stats, controlled entries and not dumping the puck. And last year, the Flyers had like a 46% control uh, zone entry, entry rate, which is, um, I don't know where, to be honest, I don't know where it ranked, but it just showed that um, AV wants you to control and, and, and enter the zone with, with possession, but he does not want you taking unnecessary risks uh, in around the offensive blue line, which I completely agree with. Um, it's yeah. So when you're dumping yeah. the puck, but you don't you want to turn over targeted <laughs> dumps. Um, I know uh, uh, currently I coach at the college in New Jersey. And one of the things that we've preached over the last uh, I'd say season and a half, well, before this canceled season um, is the fact that like, we, we, we preached a hard, a hard wrap. So if you're on one wall, we, we, we don't want you to just dump it in and, you know, so that the D can collect it. We, we preached a hard wrap. So you're wrapping it basically as an indirect pass to the winger on the other side, coming down that wall. And if you hard wrap it, their D's not going to be able to get to it. And you're forcing a one-on-one battle on the other side of the ice. And the majority of the time your, your winger would, would generally, at least at our level, win that battle uh, or do soft dumps, different kind of dumps to, targeted dumps to try to make it easier to regain possession. Um, and I guess what's, what's um, when you're doing the hard wrap, when you're doing those targeting ones, again, yep. you're trying to catch their defense a little bit more flat footed, right? Like you want your offensemen skating hard to the puck. You want them waiting for it almost, you know, like, um, or in a, in a position where they're not able to look yep. around and they're having to deal with pressure. Um, so uh, again, cause I know that I don't want to hold you up too long. Um, one of the last pieces is um, we talk about the, you and you and I had, uh, as we dressed, uh, went through this is, what we get a lot of in these shows is what I consider to be useless stats um, in the pregame, the postgame, the in-between periods. We get a lot of talk about shots on net, but not a lot of talk about scoring chances or what has become a fancy stat, a quote-unquote fancy stat, a high-danger chance. Um, you get a lot of talk about um, goals against average or plus a player being plus-minus. And I feel like the game, those stats – the game has really kind of outlived its usefulness yeah, for no, these very I, basic I metrics. Agree. Um, uh, I think another another term would be empty stats, or if you're an Eagles fan, we call them DAC stats. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> just from the term from from the goalie aspect, the goals against average that's a team stat. Um, obviously, the goalie plays into it, um, but uh, a the save percentage. Is, is the more telling stat on a goalie's performance. Um, now, obviously, there's ways to dive deeper into it. Um, but 
but yeah, so, you know, shots on net, if you can, you know, you have teams, uh, uh, I'll, 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 a perfect example last year in the NHL and their good team is the, the hurricanes. They would shoot and shoot and shoot from anywhere and they would outshoot teams every single night. Um, but, uh, their scoring chances, their, 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 their scoring chance amounts were just, you know, on par with league average. Um, they didn't, they didn't get to the dirty areas, the danger areas as frequently again, good team town, very talented team, but, um, they would, uh, they would flood the, the, the shots that, um, and you know, it all depends on what t- kind of team you have. If you have a less talented high end team up front, you're going to preach more, more shots on that, more opportunities for the puck to go in. But if you're a highly talented team, you're going to want them to look for that extra pass uh, more, more times than not because they're going to have the ability to finish it. And I think that's something that the Flyers are stuck in. They're not overly high-end talent up front. They need, they need more pucks on net. But the, one of the things that's holding the Flyers back is because they're not, they just haven't had as much time in the offensive zone but yeah the stats uh plus minus is another one uh it's an on a larger scale of a season or a month uh uh in you know larger time period it can it can help to show up a player is a constant minus or constant plus player um but when you're looking at a small sample size you know if he's a minus three i mean he could be playing his butt off, but his partner just, you know, leaves a guy wide open and, you know, he finishes. That's not his fault. You know, he gets he gets the minus, even though his partner's not holding up his end of the bargain or, you know, they could have bad goaltending. Uh, that's that's playing a part into it. Yeah, and, and it's one yep. of those things where, like, it's also just a victim of circumstance. You might be a high minus player because you play on the penalty kill a lot. You know, like, obviously you don't want to be given up a lot of goals, but if you're a penalty killer, not a power play guy, that's a that's a rough yeah. spot to be in for that specific stat. Um, yeah. Or you could just be on your way off on a line change or on your way on. Um, so uh, it's just one of those things. So um, again, like I said, I don't want to I don't want to hold you up too long. Um, there's obviously a lot deeper subjects, and I hope that people kind of stuck with us to the end here. But I think that, like personally. Um, trying to bring these to people in a way that's digestible. Obviously we don't have a dry erase board or a video to bring it to, but like there's things that correlate with each other, right? Like you're, you, if you have a lot of possession, you're probably going to have more shots. If you have less possession, you're probably going to have less shots, but it's not always a one-to-one, like not always because you have more shots. You're going to have more goals. If you're throwing, like to me, I don't want to see a guy. I'll, I'll, I'll pick a player that people like to pick on Jake Voracek, right? I don't want Jake Voracek is going to always try to difficult play. And when it happens, you love it when it works, when it doesn't, you're going to say things about him that sometimes are true and sometimes aren't true, but I would rather Jake look for the the play than shoot a, a shot parallel to the goal line against the boards, you know, like, and that's, sometimes you do have to look a little bit at quality versus quantity and, and 
sometimes you need to look at more of the story. Certain parts of the story aren't going to tell yeah, you the, the whole the, the whole thing. The fr- the frustrating and part about Jake this is, is where I am with this like, team. He's so frustrating, <laughs> um, and uh, I've I've been. <laughs> Jake is a very good player when he's when he's playing the right way, which which AV finally got him to play the right way last year. Uh, after much and a lot like AV deserves a lot of credit because he was very hard on him all year, and um, he he's still hard on him. He coming out of the mini camp, he said that Jake needs to earn his he's gonna earn his ice time because he knows if Jake is comfortable, Jake's gonna just do Jake things. Um, and uh, uh, it's I have no problem with him trying the scene pass uh, as much, not as much as he does. The problem is you need to mix some shots into it um, because when you don't, they know you're just going to pass it. The team's not going to respect your shot and they're just going to take everything away. Look for it, yep. And then when you still force it, then it just it just becomes, you know, again, when you keep trying to do the same thing over and over again, expect different results. It's a definition of insanity. Um, and sometimes it seems like Jake's insane out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's really fair. Um, my, what I always say is, is like he, he frustrates me because, um, I feel like he always tries the most difficult play possible. Um, and that's not always like, sometimes that's the right play because there's no other play. Um, and a lot of times it's not. And that's what frustrates you is because sometimes you do have to go with the path of least resistance. So, um, we're running right up on our time. I'm going to ask you one last question and then we'll get out of here. Um, Joel Farabee was my pick for breakout player from the team this year. He's obviously had a very good night the other night. Um, from Flyers history, who do you think Joel wow. Farabee's comp, like, um, comp would be? Uh, hmm. That's uh, it's a good one. So I'm going to tell you who I'm thinking because it brings I us was full thinking circle. The same thing. The only I think it's my gone. only pause is is that Gags had their games are different in terms of. Gagne had his speed and his skating ability, and not that not that uh, 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 that uh, young Beezer is, uh, you know, lacks the ability to skate. Um, he just doesn't have the speed that that Simone had. Um, but uh, it's obvious his finishing ability and his overall. Actually, I think I think Farabee's overall game is is better than uh, than Gags was. You know, Gags was not very good in the defensive zone, whereas Farabee's pretty good. I mean, he. Even as a rookie last year, as a, you know, on a team he didn't make out of camp, um, he got penalty kill time. And to me, for a veteran coaching staff to put him in that situation speaks volumes to what where his game is, his overall game is. Um, so, yeah, I would uh, – Yeah, great confidence. Yeah, because he can see it because he's also a smaller, softish type of player even though he's not soft, but like you look at him and you watch him play, but he's got a little bit of bite and a little bit of tenacity to him. Um, uh, he just, you know, picks and chooses when, when to put it out there, but that's, I would say off the top of my head, gags is probably the, the, the closest uh, one I could think of. Yeah, All right. Um, so hopefully we can do this again soon. Um, 
and yeah, uh, it was uh, really good catching always up. Always a good day talking. Talking to a little hockey. Well, thank you, John. I <laughs> appreciate enough. it.